Welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, where free people make up a movie really fast based on a random prompt. My name is Kyle, and I will be your moderator today, and I'm joined by three illustrious Hollywood professionals. We have our writer today, Eric Thompson, mm-hmm. who polished Chris Tucker's chest on the set of Fifth Element. We have our director, Jacob Gulliver, who was the refrigerator painter on the set of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And finally, we have our producer, Ben Lifson, who is the guy who made the decision in Crimson Tide to have everyone's face super sweaty during close-ups. So, you've met our uh, illustrious panel. We've heard how talented and professional they are. And here is their prompt. So, starting with your writer, here's your movie. This is a dark character study. The main characters are a heroic astrologer and a lazy barbarian. Hmm. The start of the story is a party. The end of the story, reconciliation. So, movie opens. It is about the 1300s. Uh, We have our hero enter, an astrologer, who wants to to pass on information about the universe. there's a big party going on. This seems like the best position for our astrologer to enter. Uh, the astrologer, having started to look at, uh, at through telescopes, trying to see what's going on, trying to present their opinion of the world, has noticed something strange, something that might be hurtling towards our planet. They need to get the word out. They don't have much option. I mean, said in the past, not much communication. So, they do the best thing they can. They enter this party. They're trying to figure out who's around, who can help. Uh, we have our barbarian, the person who is uh, kind of the jockish type um, at the party. Uh, there's really, you know, they're just kind of trying to be the center of attention. Uh, they just want everyone to pay attention to them. And you have this guy running in who is just yelling about the end of the world and about things that might challenge everybody's views. Uh, the barbarian really is just not happy. Not happy about what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of conflict. Uh, they start moving towards um, the barbarian trying to uh, corner this astrologer who just wants to save people, just wants people to learn and be safe. And this barbarian really just wants attention, uh, decides it's better to just, you know, almost nerd in the closet, just force this astrologer off to the side and try to confront them. Uh, at which point, the barbarian, uh, with the help of the astrologer, starts to question. Uh, starts to question what's going on with uh, with their with their life. Um, at this point, they kind of go almost on a a mismatched kind of buddy cop ish journey, uh, where you start to see some of the strengths between them. Uh, but there's kind of always this rift. They're just they're not coming together. They're not accomplishing much. The barbarian too lazy. Just won't won't help won't do anything 
um, starts to understand his limitations. Uh, everything starts to get a bit dark. Everything starts to kind of fall apart as they start butting heads. Um, not going too well. Uh, at which point, they split. The barbarian, angry, just walks away. Uh, at which point, the astrologer keeps pushing and pushing, finds themselves in a horrible, horrible situation, and on the precipice, the barbarian swoops in, finally does something, and rescues our astrologer. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. Do you have a name for this movie? Uh, it is Planet Y. Right. Is that W-H-Y or just the letter Y? It is the letter Y, though I am open to interpretation from our director and producer. All right. Director, you have the script for Planet Y in front of you. Uh, what, what you going to do with it? Um, yeah, no, I, I think we've got a, a good direction here. I think there's some, some really juicy bits in this story, and I, I'm looking forward to being able to, to tell it. Uh, I think we've got a good balance between um, you know, some more serious drama and character development between these two characters and you know, some, some fun little moments that'll you know, keep, uh, keep people who aren't super into the serious stuff mm -hmm. trucking along. So I need, I need two guys who are good at doing both of those things. Uh, so our astrologer is going to be Toby Jones, and our barbarian is going to be Carl Urban. And I think they'll they'll play off each other pretty well. I think they uh, they can both have some little goofy moments together, and they can both really get into you know some of the the deeper character moments. And I love the idea of Carl Urban because um, he's a he's a you know a big imposing guy. Mm -hmm. I love, I love mm -hmm. the idea of him um, you know like doing physical actions very easily, or Toby Jones, who's a very you know short guy having a tough time doing those things and he's just frustrated that Carl Urban mm -hmm. won't do those things for him. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> I want to do this in almost like the style of um, Stardust where it's like there's there's colors but they're sort of semi-desaturated very you know stick to just a handful of colors um, probably primary so like a red a gold and a blue um, and just kind of intersperse those throughout and then when we have a character who's really important then we'll give them you know one of the colors that's not present elsewhere in the scene um, so just stick to very simple um, elegant cinematography we're going to emulate as much candlelight as we can since it's going to be in the 1300s um, and just give it kind of a, a really interesting look something that we don't see a whole lot these days um, I also want to see what these characters what these two actors can do in terms of improvisation I think the journey that they're going on is good I'd also like to see a little bit more resolution in terms of, you know, the this potential comet that's coming down. I want to see if there's a, uh, a way that we can work that in somehow. I kind of like the idea that the comet is, is something that's, you know, real, but maybe Carl Irvin doesn't believe it is at the beginning and through the mm -hmm. journey. Um, he's eventually able to connect enough with Toby Jones that Toby Jones can explain it in a way that he, he understands. Um, and then at the end, after he saves them, then they go and round up all the people who would have gotten hit by the comet when it hit the, the Earth. But I'm also open to the idea maybe the comet misses uh, Planet Y and just goes sailing past. On that note, I like the title. Um, I think, given the, the tone, I think we could go for um, you know something a, a little bit more uh, you know romanticized, maybe a little mm. bit less sci-fi. So... Uh, I'll just throw out an alternate title here, uh, Midsummer Night's Comet. Mm, mm. How about something like that? I think we could roll with that. All right. 
Great. Do that. Producer Ben, uh, you've handed a script that has two possible titles on it, Planet Y or A Midsummer's Night Comet. It has Carl Urban and Toby Jones. It is a period piece of sorts. Uh, what's your budget? How do you make this bad boy make money? All right, a couple things. First off, uh, we're going through the comet thing because, uh, you know, going through the script, I see all your uh, Oscar bait slop shit that people love, so good on that. Uh, Planet mm -hmm. Y sounds too 50s, uh, campy, Pluto Nash-ish, so let's not do that. Um, so m making money-wise, you know, it's like... Uh, so I get that you're trying to go for, you know, the smarter movie-goer sort of thing, um, but I don't think they really see movies as much because, you know, I don't know why. Um, so I think one thing I'm a little confused by, and a uh, writer-director that you didn't catch, is um, there's nothing for the Chinese market to enjoy in this movie. You know, there's no character from China or there's no scene where they go to Beijing. Um, so. I think that's going to make it really difficult to sell outside the states. I, I don't want to say anything, but you know, you have been working in the biz for a while now. So, um, but anyway, that, that's not my job. To I'm not your mom, but anyway, um, so I think you got to get that in there. You know, I don't know. I, Comet's interesting. Uh, definitely, I think you can if you want to put a lot of that in the trailer. Um, or well, the marketing will do that. So I think you'll be good there. I and I don't know. You know, it's. Where's the action, you know? You know, you have all this, like, character study and character interaction, but where's the action? You know, where is the scene where one of them has to punch a guy in the face? Okay, so I think we need more of that. We need more China. Keep the Oscar bait slot that's, that's good. Um, you know, they seem to like that for some reason. Um, maybe if you could throw in some more, like, a modern-day issue, too, to make it seem, like, really important that'll, you know, they'll eat that up. Yeah, uh, other than that, you know. You know, I view movies as a checklist, okay? And right now you got these checks, but there's a lot of empty boxes right here, okay? I mean, there's four demographics, five demographics. There's China, there's men over 25, women over 25, men under 25, and women under 25, okay? Well, and comic fans, that's a six. And right now you're kind of nebulous in there, so you gotta get this stuff worked out, because right now I am just like, I don't know how to take this kind of movie. You know what I mean? You got a budget for this movie, producer? Uh, 20 mil. 20 mil. So, big budget indie movie money. All right. All right. So, anything else? No. If I had a mic, I'd be, I assume I can't drop this mic, right? Correct. Okay. All right. So, writer Eric, uh, you've been told to add more China and more action to your film, which is now a Midsummer's Night Comet. Uh, starring Toby Jones and Carl Urban. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you how do you uh, and mo and modern issues yep, and yep. Modern, modern issues? issues. How, how do you make the producers happy? I think we can handle this. Uh, so first, uh, opening party. Uh, of course, when he, when uh, we have Toby Jones enter uh, as our heroic astrologer and starts trying to get support, starts giving out information. People aren't happy. Uh, immediate brawl. Just. Everyone punching, kicking. Uh, we see Carl Urban as our lazy barbarian in his element. He just goes to town. That's the only thing he's not lazy for is violence. We have punching. We have kicking, biting. I don't know. Just whatever, whatever feels right at that time. We can just let him go for it. Let him improv a little bit, like our director wants. Uh, just let him have some fun. We can get that out there. There's your action. Uh, first off couple Chinese people 
at the party. That'll that'll get some China in there. Uh, we can have a big showdown during the party brawl between Carl Urban and maybe somebody who's trained in like some hand-to-hand combat. Have some nice like kung fu, jujitsu kind of combination going on. Uh, kung jitsu, it's a thing. Uh, I'll write it down. Um, so we have big brawl there. They can do pretty much whatever they want. We get a lot of our action. We get some more demographic in there. Uh, maybe along the journey, they meet some wizened elder, uh, somebody that might be of some Asian descent. I don't know that we want to nail it down necessarily, but just, you know, somebody who can help them along their way, give them some knowledge. Maybe they're walking along a big wall during it. That'll kind of give some of the uh, location, kind of keep that a little nebulous so that it might sell uh, a little better in that market. You know, for those co- that sixth demographic, those comic fans, uh, give them a cape. I mean, both of them a cape. That'll work. You know, maybe a lightning bolt on one, maybe a telescope on, uh, on our astrologer's cape. Um, just, you know, fancy. Something cheap, something that kind of is iconic, but not going to kill our budget. So then, uh, you know, at this point, modern issues... I think our barbarian, secretly vegan, uh, just doesn't want doesn't want that to get out, doesn't want people to know, but, you know, just, that's his choice. That's something that he wants to do. He's, he's, con- he's conscientious of, uh, you know, diets. That's something that people are dealing with. How do you secretly vegan? You know, maybe he holds, uh, like, a, a big mutton chop or something like that during the party, but never actually takes a bite of it. You know, maybe that plays out a little bit later, maybe you learn it from there. Maybe he politely declines things. Uh, that might seem a little bit out of character, but that might hint towards it. And then uh, later on, maybe camp scene, uh, they've only been able to find a little bit of food um, because, you know, no stores, anything like that. So maybe it comes out then. So, but I think that'll work. All right, director, your script is at, or the script is at action, China, capes, and a vegan added. Also a wizened, wizened old man. W- wizened old Asian-ish man. So, uh, how do you make it work? Yeah, no, I think uh, we're on the right track here. I'm going to take um, your, your idea of adding um, the wise and old man and kind of roll with it, go a little bit different direction, but sure, stick sure, with the main sure. idea. Uh, we're going to make it a, a wise and older lady. We're going to cast Zhang Ziyi, who's a Chinese actress, in, mm-hmm. in this role. She's going to... Oh, for the over uh, 25 women's market. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Got it. Um, we're also going to have um, her... She's also going to be an astronomer who has mm-hmm. traveled uh, to to Europe from China um, because there is a prophecy that's been handed down in her family mm-hmm. for this comet's arrival. Um, and when it arrives, uh, she is supposed to be there. The descendant of the family is supposed to be there to, um, you know, witness its arrival. That's part of this prophecy. And she doesn't want to do it <clears throat> uh, because she is she's gravely ill. She's fallen ill and she doesn't want to make this journey uh so when they meet when they meet her she's telling them that you know i'm entrusting this you know the caretaking of this journey to you because i can't do it myself mm-hmm. anymore i have a terrible disease and i'm going to die if i travel too hard to get to where the comet is going to land <clears throat> and there's this other group that wants to take the prophecy from her who've also followed her from china who are going to be opposing them on the road and they're going to be trying to they're like you know, a group of, of thieves who are trying to take her, her prophecy, this you know, ancient scroll which has amazing art within it, an amazing calligraphy, and they also want to take what, what little is left of her fortune from her because she's, 
you know, from this family that has this long lineage, and there are some some things that they could use from her possessions to increase their status. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're going to go on this journey, and uh, Zhang Ji is going to guide them a little bit, and you know, provide a, a point in the road. So then we've got all that worked in. Um, we can work in a little bit of elements of you know mysticism too. I don't want to do like full blown like magic, but I like the idea of of that prophecy and. You know, um, that some things, you know, it's ambiguous whether, you know, is this fate or is this the decisions that have been made? Hmm. Um, I want Carl Urban to, um, I like the idea that he's lazy. That's, like, the fun part of it. So I want him to, like, always have, like, a a stein of beer or some other, Mm -hmm. you know, alcohol in one hand. And when these fights break out, he's basically just, like making people trip over themselves or, like, you know, awkwardly dodging out of the way. Sort of like a Western version of, like, the drunken master mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. where he's, like, just kind of a, a sloppy guy who happens to have pretty good reflexes, um, you know, and can use people's weight against them. So I think that would be really fun to watch. Uh, and that could get really creative if we have guys who are doing, what was it, Kung, Kung Jitsu. Jitsu. Don't yeah. think that's real, but... Uh, I'll, Look it up. Yeah, <laughs> I'll allow it. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's my kind of idea. I think uh, I think it's going to work pretty well. All right, producer, they've checked your list, and they're all. I think all the boxes seem pretty full. How are you feeling? Oh, we're doing this. Okay. What movie are we talking? Oh, this one. Okay. So two things. First off, um, you had. You tried to you check the superhero box, but the thing is that the superhero box uh, automatically negates any Oscar bait boxes mm-hmm. you've hit. So you got to remove that. It's like multiplying by zero. Okay, <laughs> Oscar people see soup, any mention of cape except maybe Birdman, but you know that was more a wing. Whatever. Uh, get rid of that. Also, uh, I like all the other changes you do. I just uh, have one request uh, for a character you add. Um, I want you to add this lady uh, named uh, Susan Branford and model her appearance on my bitch wife, uh, who, or ex-wife now, um, who maybe she, the vegan, they're together with the vegan, and you know, the vegan is very supportive of her uh, in her life choices, and she decides to just steal all of his shit and leave him at this bar for his own vegan thing. I don't even remember who the vegan was, okay? I haven't, look at these, no, I don't have time to read this shit. I'm sorry. Throw that in there, have something fucking horrible happen to her. Throw in bears. Throw in a goddamn bear in there. And, and handle that, and you don't change your name. I'll send you pictures. Make sure the actress looks exactly like her, okay? I wanna see that scene, okay? And do whatever else you want, okay? Um, do you have, is there scotch here? No, you know what, I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, just, just deal with it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta deal with some stuff. All right, so I've taken all of the data from your film. I've input it in the movie machine. The movie machine tells me this. So you've made a weird movie. The critics are just confused by it. It gets a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.1 on IMDb. Uh, they're just not sure what to make of it. Some think, some think it's a overall like satire of Oscar bait movies, and others think it's a failed attempt 
at Oscar bait. Yet others, especially on Tumblr, are pretty sure it's a misplaced, misogynistic, hate trite towards some woman that has wronged someone, but they can't quite place it. Um, everyone, the bear mauling the woman, that gif is just all over the internet. People use it in comment threads all the time. Just when they get mad at someone, they just put the bear mauling the woman because that was a... like They couldn't figure out why that scene was eight and a half minutes long in the final cut. It just... Very confusing. No one questioned was, the Revenant. They're, they're like it's 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 like it's like the Revenant, but without you know fun. Well, actually, the Revenant wasn't fun either. But it's just they thought it was a sad attempt at the Revenant, but with a lady. So it, it does okay in theaters. It 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 does okay opening weekend. It makes like eight million, which you know you guys release it during a slow time, which is good for second and box office opening weekend. And it crawls along to almost make its money back. And then, you know, with DVD and, and video on demand downloads and all, it basically breaks even. No one's crew's ruined by it. It just is one of those odd movies that's forgotten four or five years after the fact. Like, people's like, oh, yeah, that, they made that movie. That was weird, huh? Yeah, whatever. Let's not watch it. Let's watch anything else. So, uh, so going back to the writer, you now have two minutes to reflect on this movie you've made. And, and achieve, this is your chance to save it from its... Mire of mediocrity and boredom. So, first off, I have to say that bear scene, uh, the writing during that was impeccable. Uh, I mean, the actress totally brought out the brutality. And the bear, excellent job with the bear. I think, I think it's sexist that you put a man and a bear on a screen and everyone raves over it. And that you put a woman and a bear on a screen and everyone hates it. I'm just saying that, that the audience, just they just don't get it. You know, that's that's ridiculous. That is sad. It is sad to see that in today's society. Um, I will say that if we were going on to be a satire of uh, Oscar bait movies, that the capes would have gone a long way to, to clear up those questions. Uh, you see those capes, and it, to it makes total sense. Uh, so the whole no capes decision, uh, I, I kind of disagree. I still see the movie with capes. It makes so much more sense to me. So yeah, the bear scene, I'm happy that that's, that that's prominent. I mean, Planet Y versus Midsummer Night's Comet. Uh, I mean, that, that change might have pulled it back a little bit. That might have made it a little tougher. But, you know, at least we did decent in the China market. So I'm okay with some of those changes. I really am. And, uh, I mean, it's sad that we had the veganism in there, but we still got just hit down by the sexism just... Woman and bear versus man and bear. It's ridiculous, but I'm going to deal with it. I'm just going to remember polishing Chris Tucker's chest in my past and just continue on the path. All right. There we have it. Uh, director, you have your movie. Hey, you didn't lose money. It didn't hurt your career. You still got plenty of work. It just kind of, it's something you sometimes put on your curriculum by day and sometimes you don't. Yeah. So, do you, do you want to do anything to change that? I do, yeah. I'm going to take it into the, uh, the editing room and the, the sound room one more time, and I think we're going we're gonna to fix this bad boy up a little bit. So, um, we're going to frame it so that the bear is, like, uh, released from the, this group of the antagonists, the, the bandit group that's trying to chase down Zhang Ziyi. So, it's like, there's, like, a, a very specific plot point where that happens, and then they, like, lose control of it, and it just happens to, like you know, destroy this lady, unfortunately. So that's like, we, we set a, a plot framework for it, and then there could be a moment where 
you know, like it becomes, you know, it's like, oh god, she got mauled. It's like, uh, maybe you feel bad, maybe you don't, but basically push it out of like the realm of, you know, something that's you know uh, egregious, hmm. uh, but still very you know functional as you know this lady got mauled. Um, <clears throat> the the next thing that we're gonna do is we're going to push it away from the Oscar bait territory. We're gonna push it away from the superhero territory. We're gonna make this good pulpy adventure story. So we're not like trying to get like either of those specific markets. We're gonna make it a market that traditionally makes us some good money and still has a lot of the flavor of what we've already got. So uh, basically, we're gonna trim it up so we'll make it a little bit faster. We'll go through a little bit quicker. Uh, we're gonna change up the soundtrack so it's a little bit more lighthearted, make it more about like the adventure and like the character building, uh, but still very clearly have the antagonists and the you know the, the fun aspects of it. Uh, we'll, we'll bring up the colors a little bit so it's not quite as, as moody, make it a little bit more you know fun adventure type deal. Um, <clears throat> and then we're gonna try and hire um, you know like some somebody who does like folk music to help us with the soundtrack to make something that we can you know really you know, get into hearts and minds with mm. has a little bit more of a modern flavor to throw into the uh, the pulpy adventure. So right. I think that's that's gonna get us to where we want to go here. All right, producer. Uh, last last oh. thing I have to mention: uh, we make sure that our, our producer does not see uh, the altered cut uh, of the the bear scene specifically uh, until after the movie is released. All right, producer. Uh, they told you they made some changes based on. Uh, the market research and the movie machine and they guarantee it's going to make money uh, they don't show any final cuts they just say trust me uh, and they say your ex-wife still gets mauled by a bear in it so, uh, so you change anything how do you feel do you want to make more money from this do you want yeah. to see the director's cut so after the two months in uh, rehab I have um, looked back on some of the choices I made previously and um, I feel that I may have gone a little extreme in a few areas um, in retrospect, I don't think that during the decapitation part of the bear scene was necessary, nor the two-minute disemboweling. So, um, maybe in involving it being, you know, the intestines being pulled out, you know, mm -hmm. that part. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe we could cut that part down a little bit, I think. And my biggest change is, after talking to some of my spiritual leaders, I've decided that I'm going to change my career and I'm leaving the film industry completely to pursue my dream of being a cantor. So um, this was an enlightening experience with all of you. Um, and I hope to never see you again because you're all triggering me right now. And have a good day. All right, well, there you have it. The movie A Midsummer's Night Comet, which on its Blu-ray release, just like they kind of did with that Tom Cruise movie, The Day After Tomorrow, they actually changed it to Edge Original of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. They're, they uh, live, die, repeat now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the Blu-ray comes out as Planet Y, yeah. and both theatrical release is still Midsummer's Night Comet. You you make about thirty thirty five million in theaters with the changes. People respond well to pulpy. You get your fans of Transformers and and Serenity and everything. They come and watch it once or twice. It does all right. It doesn't like blow away the box office, but it sticks around for a few weeks. Does all right. It does. Uh, Adequate DVD Blu-ray sales. You always see a little bit of cosplay at least the first couple years after it come out came out. You know, it has a decent nerd following. It's kind of th like a niche thing. It's like, oh, people like that thing. It's okay. 
Uh, so you make a little more money kind of rebranding it, you know, Carl Urban and Toby Jones is great. He made more extra money because he decided to take just a gross percentage of profit. So he's really happy it turned out. Carl Urban kind of was like, oh yeah, I was in that movie in interviews and stuff later. He's like, yeah, I didn't understand how a, a vegan barbarian wore a leather one cloth, but whatever. Mm-hmm. It works out all right. So y'all, you know, get some more work. Vegan. What's that? He's secretly, secretly vegan. Yeah, stealth vegan. Yeah. Which pisses off a bunch of vegans. It was only group of people. They were pineapple like leather. Yeah, mm-hmm. so vegans hate the movie because they don't like his portrayed, but no one cares about pissing off vegans, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> and there you have it, everyone. Uh, Planet Y and or a Midsummer's Night comment. Uh, and I'm going to close with a quote from our patron saint, the dude chef Guy Fieri. It's like a giant Play-Doh machine in Flavortown. Thank you, everyone.